So if you have your Bibles, I would like to encourage you to take it and turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Um, like I said last week, for many of you who watched the program or listened to me while we were um, having service, um, I promise that I will um, continue in Acts chapter 8, and we're not finished yet. Next week, we're going to continue. This week, we're going to look at Simon. Like I said, we're going to look at Simon, um, who got... Um, who uh, was part of the community within, this, uh, uh, within Samaria, and um, who, as the scripture says, believed and was baptized. And so tonight, I, I really want to touch on, on Simon and himself, and why is it important for us to look at this man and really um, see what God is, is saying here at, uh, um, to us here at Living Hope Community Church. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 9 through 13, and 18 through 24. We're going to read two passages, and both of those uh, section of passages speak directly about uh, Simon himself. So, um, if you have your Bible, please turn with me there. And before we do that, as usual, um, let us ask God's blessing upon his word. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Truly, this is the day that you have made. And Lord, we just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity again, God, where we can come, where we can gather as a community, as the body of Christ. Wherever the church is, that's where the body are, God. And so we, we pray for those that are going to listen to your word today, Father. For those that are joining us on Facebook and YouTube and, and in whatever means, God, that they are going to join us, use during this week to join us, Father. We give you praise and give you thanks, God, for, for bringing your word, Father, to each and every heart and each and every life. God, only you know what is in store here today. And so I pray, God, that you will not let self be seen, but that your name will be glorified. That you be lifted up, Father. And when you are lifted up, your word says that you will draw men unto you, Father. We pray for those that don't know you, God, that they will hear your word and come to the knowledge of the truth and surrender, God. Surrender their lives, God, as your Holy Spirit work in and through their heart, God, bringing them to a place of repentance, God, bringing them place to a place, God, where they can truly know you as Lord and Savior. And those that are continuing to walk in faith, God, I pray that you will strengthen them, uphold them, lift them up, God, as your word says, that you will uphold us with your right hand of righteousness. God, that you will lead us by your spirit, that you will strengthen us. And so I pray for everyone, God, that are walking by faith. Lord, your word says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. We look to you, God, as the author and the finisher. We look to you, God, as the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above. And so we commit everything into your hands this evening. God, that you will remove those things that you don't want to be there in our lives. And through your word, God, and the power of your spirit, you will help us, God, to be able to let those things go, Father. And so we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 13 Sorry, <laughs> verse 9 all the way through 13 and then 18 through 24. And it says here, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And that is what the people were saying. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And then in verse 18, if you can jump there with me. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hand, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. 
You have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore for this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord God. If possible that the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in, in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So last week we looked at how the gospel reached Samaria, which is one step closer in fulfilling Acts chapter verse one, chapter 8 verse 1. When, when Jesus commanded the, the disciple, he commanded them and said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So we have seen the work already taking place in Jerusalem, this, this mega church that was formed, and the persecution of, 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 of Stephen forces the church to scatter out of Jerusalem, beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And here we see the gospel came. Last week we saw how the gospel came to, to, to Samaria, and that's fulfilling one step closer to what Jesus was saying. So Judea, uh, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. The end of the earth we're going to look at in a couple of weeks' time. Where it, where it reaches to the Gentile world, bringing every man, every nation, every tongue and tribe uh, to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because the plan of God was never for one group of people or one color of people or one um, s- nation. It was for the entire world. And we are now seeing the gospel, like I said just now, how we saw the gospel moved outside the walls of Jerusalem. In Samaria, the Lord used the gospel to break down, break down centuries of racial, as you heard me last, last week, social and religious barriers between Samaritan and the Jewish people. Then later in the book of Acts, we are going to continue, this, we are going to, continue to see that mighty move of God as the gospel reaches to the re- end of the world and the rest of the world. This week, we're, we're, we're go- we are going to continue to focus our attention on Acts 8, like, like I just read, and, introdu- and, and with the introduction of Simon. Simon was known as, as the magician or as a sorcerer. And I want you to pay attention to some of the things that I'm going to say here this afternoon. Here to, to help you to understand why is it important for us to, to really understand um, the, the, this account of Simon in the book of Acts. What are some of the things that we can learn from Simon's demonstration of faith? And why his faith is considered false or phony? And I'm going to explain that um, in this message here today. And that is why, why we're saying that his faith is false or phony. It's because that that it is not saving faith. Because the faith that he demonstrates is not saving faith. Which is why I title this message, and, it, and, it, and it's maybe many of you who saw the title may be questioning it. A faith that cannot save. A faith that cannot or does not save. So for those of you who have read this passage over and over again, would tend to believe that Simon was truly converted. And you're going to look at the text and you're going to say, yes, I believe because the scripture says that Simon believed and was, and, and, and was baptized. Because the account that we have here, we're given that Simon, Simon believed and was baptized. And then it says that he continues to follow Philip. So the big question here is, was Simon truly converted? And that's the question I want to not only ask, but I also want to, 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 to show that Simon was not truly converted. Today we are going to spend some time getting to know Simon and why I personally believe that he only made a profession of faith but was never converted. Even though you see signs of conversion, when you look from the external, internally, Simon was never converted. Simon was, let me, let me tell you something a little about Simon. Simon was known as Simon Magius, eh, Magus, sorry. During 1st century AD, that is the 1st century AD, many scholars concluded that Simon in Acts 8 
was the same Simon Magus that you, you, many of the, the, the um, scholars wrote about. Many of them wrote about. And they concluded it's the same Simon that the book of Acts is bearing record of. So Magus is, Magus, M-A-G-U-S is singular, which means sorcerer or the root word which is magic. Means that he was a, 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 a person that was practicing magic or sorcery. And we see the, the root word which is, the, the plural to Magus is, is magi. Which, when you look at the birth of Jesus, the three men, wise men, magi, went to see Jesus. That's the plural, the singular is magus. And there are many ancient writings that I'm going to touch on. Many ancient writings during the second century, outside of the Bible, who wrote concerning this Simon Magus. And I'll list some of those men. Some of those men are, are, are for example, um, is Irenaeus. And many of you who read um, the, the history of the church, you will come across um, Irenaeus. Not only Irenaeus, but Justin Martus. Justin Martus. And then you have Hippoplatus. And then you have many others that wrote concerning the same Simon. Simon Magus was known as the leader of the Gnostic heresy. Now, Gnosticism, which come Gnostic. Gnosticism, which comes from the Greek word gnosis, simply means knowledge. Now, I'm going to share something about, about Gnosticism here this afternoon. Gnostics do not believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. They reject the death on the cross as a means for salvation. Never embrace it, never accept it. Completely reject it. Gnostic believe that a person can only, can only gain salvation by having a special knowledge of God. And later Simon in, in the book of Acts would, in Samaria, Simon Magus, sorry, would leave Samaria for Rome where he spent, uh, spent his rest of his life teaching Gnosticism or Gnostic heresy perverting while perverting the christian doctrine and would later become the founder of what, what we call um the the word simonism which is what he was trying to do in the book of acts simonism offering to pay for the whole the holy spirit so that he can sell the work of the holy spirit to others and this is what simonism mean that they bought things within the church to sell to, to, to make a profit. That's simply what it is. And, 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 and you're, going to, you're going to hear more about Simon in a sense where how the book of Acts will help us to understand this man. So the account of Acts, it gives us a, comp a comparison between Simon and Philip. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to shed some light between the two men because... Because you can clearly see that which is of God and that which is not of God. And only when you take time to really look at the passage of scripture that we read here today, that you're going to see a clear distinction between light and darkness, between what is of God and what is of the Holy Spirit and what is of darkness. So both men, both Simon and Philip, perform miracles. And not only we see that in, in the book of Acts, but also Moses and Pharaoh. When Moses went before Pharaoh, he threw his sticks up, stick on the ground, turned to a snake. The magician said, yeah, we can do that. And what was the difference? They performed magic, he performed magic. So both men, Philip and Simon, performed magic. Because Simon was a magician and a sorcerer. Philip miracles, but what is different is that Philip miracles were done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the difference. As much as they were performing miracles, Philip's miracle, miracles were done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Simon, on the other hand, was demonic. And, and, and the book of Acts gives us that. It said the Greek word for practice sorcery and magic, as stated in verse 9 that you just read, are the same, which means that he was practicing sorcery. Philip, on the other hand, as well, proclaimed Christ and give honor to Christ rather than to himself. And everything that Philip 
did was to point every man, every woman, every boy, every child to Christ. And everything that we do today must point to Christ. It doesn't point to ourselves. Our worship, our preaching, everything, whatever we do in the kingdom of God, point to Christ. We give him the honor and the glory. And Philip did just that. Philip proclaimed Christ. He demonstrated that. And he also bring honor and glory. Nothing was pointing to Philip. But Simon was seeking after praise of men. Which is the reason why he was known as the great. They call him the great. A possessor of God's power. He had nothing to do with God nor God's power. But that's what they, in the mind of the people them, in Samaria, that's all they, they saw. That's all they knew. And they were deceived. So they consider this man great. They consider him of having the power of God. So when Philip came into Samaria, they started to see miracles. They started to see the power of God truly manifesting. And the, the, the next point there that I'm going to get to is that his power, Simon's power, was a deception. Was a deception. And today we have many of the same in our churches performing under the name of Jesus. We, we, we see that in many places and in many churches, people not performing sorcery, but using the name, using the name of Jesus for their own personal gain. And I'm sure many of you that are, many of you that are listening to me today can name so many so-called faith healers within the body of Christ, within the church today. These men seek after their own glory and after fame and after wealth and that's all it is. They have nothing to contribute to the body of Christ or the kingdom of God. Yet so many Christians support these men and their so-called ministries. Now, I know many of you know, knew, know these men um, and I'm going to call out some of their names so if you hear them, you, you can attest to the fact or not. And look at, the, look at the wealth that these men accumulate. And they are Christian um, uh, men that, that demonstrated, that, that presented themselves as, as leaders within the Christian church. Okay, for, for example, the so-called miracle healer and Christian televangelist, Benny Hinn. And many of you that are maybe watching, maybe listening, are a fan or maybe a fan or know Benny Hinn. His network alone, if you, if you Google it, it's a $75 million in 2021. But that doesn't mean that he is the, he is named as one of, in one of the 10 billion millionaires within the Christian church. $75 million. Yet again, people pour money into these men and into their lives and their ministry. Then you had T.D. Jakes, $147 million. Joel Alstein, $40 million. Joseph Prince, $5 million. He's the young one coming up. Crypto Dollar, the man who called himself the Dollar Man, $27 million. I mean, these are all in the millions. You're not here 100000 You're here millions of dollars. This is their network. Chris, Chris, sorry, Chris Oyakilomi, or I can't really pronounce his last name, Oyakilomi, $50 million. Kenneth Copeland, who Joseph Prince, Joel Alstein, all these men preach the same doctrine. $25 million. And the one that is top of the list is David Oyakidepo. He has over two. Hundred million dollars network. Now, when you look at it, compare these men that are preaching the gospel today, using the name of Jesus Christ, building a kingdom for themselves, are in millions of dollars, living above every other ordinary man and woman. But look at the apostles; their their lives, they had nothing. They went out there without their bag, without their money, without anything. Jesus said to go and preach the gospel. And here people accumulate wealth. And it's no difference than what Simon saw in the lives of, of, the apostles, of the, in the lives of Peter and John. 
and he says, give me this, man. Because that's what he did all his life, all his life, taking from the people without giving them anything back. And when you look at the millions of these, so, these, these, these uh, faith healers and, 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 and Christian televangelists, and you wonder this accumulation of wealth, what are they doing with it? But what all these men that I just list there have in common is that their teachings are not aligned with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if it was aligned with the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will preach the gospel and not accumulate wealth for themselves. They will not use the gospel as a means of gain and self-worth. And one other striking difference between Philip and Simon was that people were not converted to faith in Jesus Christ. With, with Simon, people were not converted to faith in anything that he does, even though he, knew, he used the name of God it, with deception, practice sorcery and magic. So when Philip came and demonstrated, and, and Peter and, and preached the gospel, sorry, Philip preached the gospel, he demonstrated genuine Christian faith. The demonstration of, demonstrated saving faith. That's what the people believed and the people were baptized. Which is the reason why, which is the reason why they received the Holy Spirit from the hands of the apostle. If you read Acts chapter 9 and chapter 8, you will never see that Simon received the Holy Spirit. Peter rebuked him. Every other person in, the, in, in Samaria received who were baptized and received Jesus. Received the Holy Spirit, but not Simon. And many times we read the Bible thinking that Simon was a believer. And there are only two responses, brothers and sisters, to the gospel. Those who are truly converted and come, and, and, and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Those who believe and make a profession of faith. And then you have, sorry, those who believe and, 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 re, and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Those are truly converted. And then you have those who make a profession of faith but are never converted. So you have those who, 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 who are truly converted and you have those who are not converted. Simon made a profession of faith. Raise his hands. Give me Jesus. I want Jesus too but was never converted or regenerated. Simply put, Simon was never born again. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. And there are so many people today who make a profession of faith. Profession of faith. Nothing is wrong with a profession of faith, but when the work of the Holy Spirit, it, when the Holy Spirit does that work in your life, a profession of faith will follow, but it's a genuine profession of faith. And like I said, there are many people today who follow uh, or made up, make a profession of faith, but never once experience a genuine conversion. A genuine conversion is turning away from sin to God. It's turning from something to something. You've got to turn away from your sin. You've got to turn away from your wicked ways, and you've got to turn to God. You've got to leave ungodliness and turn to godliness. You've got to leave unrighteousness and come to righteousness. It's a complete change in the hearts and lives of, of, of anyone who come to faith in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, when we see Peter preach his sermon the first day, after receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said that the people's hearts, they were cut to their hearts and shouted, what shall we do? They asked, what shall we do, Peter? And what was Peter's response? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Genuine conversion takes place when there is true repentance, brothers and sisters. Don't make anybody fool you. Genuine conversion takes place when there is true repentance. And true repentance brings about a change in heart. True repentance brings about a change in heart and lifestyle. When there is true repentance, there is always evidence of the fruit bearing, fruit bearing in the lives of someone. There is always fruit bearing in the lives of someone 
who is genuinely converted. There's always fruit. And saving faith, saving faith always yields fruits of righteousness. Always yields fruits of righteousness. Now, as a young man growing up, as a young man, I was always, 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 for those of you who know me, running away from God. Many of you have heard my testimony before. Never wanted anything to do with the church. Never wanted anything to do with God. Running away. But I had numerous opportunities to hear the gospel. Where I heard the gospel, not only hear the gospel, but I heard the gospel over and over many times. Sat in churches many, many times and watched other people give their lives over to Jesus. I've been to crusades and watched people walk up to the altar and give their life to Jesus as a profession of faith. I could have done that. I chose not to at the time. But some of those people who went up there, some of them are not even walking with God today. It was a profession of faith, but they were not genuinely converted because all that people wanted was a number to just to say, surrender your heart to Jesus or, give your, uh, or ask, um, um, you know, let Jesus into your heart. And that's what I tell you. Give your heart to Jesus. Giving your heart to Jesus is not the way of salvation, brothers and sisters. You see, the message was convincing that they preached. And many, many times I was told to give my heart to Jesus. But giving your heart to Jesus is not the way of salvation. It is not saving faith. And maybe that's what Simon did, give his heart over because there was something in, in, in there that he saw that he needed. Giving your heart to Jesus without turning away from sin If you give your heart to Jesus without turning away from sin, it produces a faith that cannot and does not save. You must deal with this subject of sin. You must deal with sin. Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin first must be dealt with. I could have made a profession of faith. I could have mimicked what others were doing. But it would have never been a genuine conversion. It would have never been genuine. Hear what Jesus says in John 4, John chapter 6 and verse 44. Jesus says, no one can come to me. Look at that verse. No one can come to me. Who was saying this? Jesus. No one can come to me unless, unless the Father who sent me draws him. You can't come unless the work of the Holy Spirit work happens in your life. Conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. Born again, coming to faith in Jesus Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's not your work. That's what Simon was doing. Was false, was fake, was phony. Wasn't saving faith. And the key to move, the key to the move of the gospel was the coming of the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why the disciples them had to go wait. They were empowered by the Spirit to go preach, but the Spirit transformed their lives as well. They have to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so far throughout the book of Acts, so far throughout the book of Acts, we have witnessed the work of the Holy Spirit in drawing people to faith in Jesus Christ. We see it in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. We see this mass conversion that is taking place in the life of, of the people that were there. You see, genuine conversion is only possible, brothers and sisters. Genuine conversion is only possible when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Bible says you and I cannot come to faith unless the Holy Spirit force quicken your dead spirit. 
and make you alive. Open your eyes that you are a sinner and that you need a savior. Convict you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. No dead man can get up and walk. And no dead man can get up and say, I want Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. We're all dead in our trespasses and sin. But I want to read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 through 9 for you. And I trust that it will be on the screen. And here what Paul says, Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, And you have, and you had he quickened, God quickened you. Who were dead in trespasses and sin. Who did the work of, who quickened you? God quickened you. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were lost. God wasn't lost. You were lost. You were dead. And look at verse 2. Wherein in time past we, you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. What? Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Everyone is in that state. And here what Paul says, Among whom also we all had our conversion in time past in the lust of our flesh. That was our state. Fulfilling the desire of our flesh and of, our, of the mind. And by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God... Isn't that my wonderful? But God, look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. It is God who started the first initiation, the work to set you free, to deliver you from the power of sin, from the power of hell, from the power of Satan. But God being rich in mercy, it is the mercy of God. It is the goodness of God. It is the grace of God that you and I stand here today has nothing to do with you and me. It is God who started our work. But God rich in mercy for his great love where he loved us because we were dead in our trespasses and sin. God loved us. But look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sin or dead in our trespasses, who made us alive together with Christ? God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, Paul says, that you have been saved. You are saved by grace. And God has quickened us together or raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Read that verse carefully. He has made us not only, look at our position, raise us up and cause us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Who did that work? God did that work through Christ, not yourself. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. Through Christ Jesus. Look what? Through Christ Jesus. And hear what Paul says, For by grace you have been saved. You are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. There's nothing that you have done here. For by grace you have been faith through faith. Saved through faith. And it is not of your own. It is not your own. It is God's gift to you. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You didn't do anything. Your works of unrighteousness cannot please God. There is nothing that we bring to the altar of God. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. It is God's grace. It is the faith that God has given us to respond to his grace. And God is the one responsible to change the hearts of men. You and I cannot change our heart to be truly converted. It is the work of God in the heart uh, and in the soul of a sinner. And it is God who caused you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Simon demonstrated a faith that cannot save because it was all done in his human effort. And with the wrong motives. There was no change of heart in Simon. No fruit of repentance. Nor no fruit of righteousness. 
Hear what Acts chapter 8 and verse 18 says. So when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hand, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. You think a Christian can do that? Do you believe that a believer who come to faith in Jesus Christ and surrender heart will ask for the Holy Spirit to sell him? Wonder why some of these televangelists are so rich and so are millionaires. And why we pour our money to them, some of us. He want to, wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. Anyone who is genuinely converted and demonstrates saving faith will not and cannot buy the Holy Spirit. They will, be sub, they will surrender to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit in their life. You come under him. He doesn't come in obedience to you. Because the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father to the Son. And the Son sent forth the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live in the hearts of men and women. It is the Holy Spirit that is responsible for your conversion, not you. But Peter, look at verse 20. But Peter. Oh man, I love these but in these passages. But Peter said, May your silver perish. With you. Why did Peter respond this? If, 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 if Simon was truly converted and saved and he has demonstrated saving faith, would Peter have responded in this way? The apostle at the time, the leading apostle at the time for the church. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Then look what verse 20 said. Here what Peter continued to say. Here how verse 20 should be rightly interpreted. Interpreted. When you read the Greek, when you understand what, it, what Peter was saying here, it basically means that may your money perish with you. It's simple like Paul said to, to, to someone in, 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 in one of his writings, turn him over to, to, to the devil. There is no place in the kingdom of God for that man. And some of us may not like this passage or like what I am saying here today. But it is the truth. May your money perish with you. You have neither, no, neither, look at verse 21. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. You hear, this was Simon he is talking to you too. You have no part, neither, no lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. For your heart is not right with God. Simon failed. Let me tell you about five things that Simon failed. Four or five things. Maybe four, four of those things that Simon failed. And those that, you, when you look at the passage of scripture, you can, you can clearly see that Simon failed to understand the simple doctrine of grace. That salvation is by grace alone. Through faith alone and in Christ alone. He failed not only to understand the simple doctrine of grace. He failed to understand the simple doctrine of salvation. That salvation is not the work of man. Salvation is the work of God. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit. That brings about salvation. Simon failed to understand the simple doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That it is the Holy Spirit that quickens our dead spirit. And brings us to life. And change our heart. And give us a new heart. You think he would have wanted to buy the Holy Spirit if his heart was changed? If he knew that the Holy Spirit was, was working in and through his life? No. Simon failed to understand the simple doctrine of sin. He did not even know how to turn away from sin and turn to God. And any person who comes to Christ must turn away from sin. So he failed from salvation, failed from the Holy Spirit, failed from sin. And he failed to understand himself. Because if he understands himself and the study of, of humanity, he will know that we are lost and we're, we're, we're sinners. And all of the above that I just mentioned, all of what I just mentioned is evident and Simon demonstrates a faith that cannot save and will not save and does not save. And anybody who thinks that they're in the church because for some motive or for some girl or some boy or for some other reason than knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and surrendering your heart and turning from sin, you are in the church for the wrong reason. And I've known people who have done that. They've come to church because of the girl and yes, after they get the girl, guess what? They no longer attend church. 
You wonder where their salvation is outside of the door. The word used by Peter in si to Simon here, brothers and sisters, are similar to the same word being used in Deuteronomy by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 12 to the Levitical tribe. Look at Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 12 and verse 12. Hear what it says. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, talking to the children of Israel. You and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maid servants and the Levites. Look what it says. And the Levite that is with your tongues, within your tongues, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. So the Levite has no portion or inheritance with you. Those are the same words that Peter used to Simon. God is saying to the Levites or to, 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 to Levi that he will not, they will not, the, the entire tribe will not have no part in the inheritance. That is the possession when they enter into the promised land. And we have seen that come true when you study the book of uh, the Old Testament. The same language used by Peter to Simon. Simon, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. You don't have no part in the kingdom of God. And anyone outside of Christ have no part in the kingdom of God. And look what Peter said to him. Look at verse 22. Repent. Repent. You haven't repent. You accept Christ. You, 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 you were baptized. You made a false confession of faith. He says, repent therefore of this sin, this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, if possible, pray to the Lord that he will change the intent of your heart and that you may be forgiven. For I see that you are, here Peter says, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, he didn't pray. You notice that? He did not pray. Peter tell him to repent and pray. Hear what he says. Pray for me that the Lord. Pray for me to the Lord. You pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. What, what, that is very, very hypocritical when you read that passage. I mean, Peter is telling him, you repent and you pray. You are telling me to pray for you? No, no prayer of mine can save you. You got to repent of your sin, brother. You got to confess. You got to come to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has to bring you to that place. And here Peter says, repent. Simon response is that. That's verse 22. Verse 22, verse 23, 4, I have seen. I think I've just read that. Kind of missed my, my passage of scripture there just now. I think, I think, I think what, Ma, what Martin, Luther, Martin Luther said is best, I think. The father of the Reformation in 1500, he says, Justification is by faith alone. But not by a faith that is alone. Not by a faith that is alone. It is justification by faith alone. It is God who alone is at work. God is the one who does the initial work in the hearts of a sinner. And many of us love John 3.16, isn't that so? And many times you will say, what about John 3.16? But we must read John 3.16 in its context and go right down and understand what John 3.16 means. Because before you get to John 3.16, Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. You can't be born again unless the Spirit does that work in your life? And then John 3, 16, hear what it says. For God so loved the world. We all know it. But is that what truly what the scripture is saying? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's all some of us know. But I want you to read John 17. Look at it. Follow me. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved the world might be saved through Christ 
Read it, read John 3.16 in its context. You just don't read John 3.16 and leave it. You read verse 17. And then you read verse 18. Whoever, look. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him, that is in Christ, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Brothers and sisters, did you hear that? Read that again. Whoever believes in him, those who come to faith in Jesus Christ, is not condemned. Isn't that what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But when you come to Christ, there is no condemnation. Outside of Christ, you are already condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. So when you understand John 3.16, you need to understand these other verses. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Do you know why they are still in a state of condemnation? Because they have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Those who reject Christ are outside of Christ. Are already in a state of condemnation. Why? Because he has not believed. You have not believed in the name of Jesus Christ. Simon did not believe in the name of the only Son of God. No, he was not trusting in Christ. He was still trusting in his former way of life, the things that he has been benefiting from. And he was not willing to let God and trust God fully and trust Christ alone and him alone. And there are so many people, brothers and sisters, who are in the same state as Simon. Those who trust in themselves instead of Christ. And those that are living with a false sense of hope, a phony faith, a faith that cannot and will not and does not save. Look at John 19. 319 and this is the judgment that light has come into the world God is going to judge the righteous and the unrighteous God will judge the sinners and, and, and the saints God will judge this world and people don't like to hear that oh he is a loving God because he so loved the world no 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 God will judge this world will judge sin and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people hear what it says people will still love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and they continue and they would want to live in their evil state. And they will reject the one and only Son. They will reject the Lordship of Christ. They will reject the work of the Holy Spirit. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true come to light. Look at the last verse, 21. But whoever does what is true comes to light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Not in yourself. That the works, what you do and you respond to the gospel and you respond to the work of the Holy Spirit is carried out in God. It is God who is at work in your life. The initial work is God. But then you walk in obedience. You live based on the teaching. After that, you respond to the gospel. You walk by faith. You trust Christ for your salvation. You continue. Your salvation doesn't hang in your power and in your hand. It is God who started the work in your life. And Simon is a good example of that. And this is the first story in the book of Acts where you see we're presented with such an account every time they repent and believe and were baptized. And here, Dr. Luke has given us a, a perfect example of someone who is not saved. False faith, false hope, phony faith. But I love in closing here that next week we're going to look at the opposite, opposite side of a phony faith, which is saving faith, when, which is the reason why we are given also the account of the, the Ethiopian eunuch. Which is the reason why we're given two accounts. One of a false faith and one that demonstrates true faith. And next week I'll talk about the demonstration of true faith. 
Today we look at a faith that cannot save. Next week we're going to look at a faith that, that, that saves. From verse 8 to 26 next week. But before I close, let me read Romans chapter 9. Here what Paul says, chapter 9 and verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, God says. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It's not you. It is God who will have compassion. It has nothing to do with you. So, when, so then it depends not on human will or extortion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show you my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. That is the work of God, and it's not your work. It is God who saves, it is God who delivers, and it is God who sets free. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, you never change. And so today, Lord, I thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the way you have spoken to us through the life of Simon for a faith that does not save, a faith that cannot save, a faith that will not save. Those who tru tru truly come to Christ, those who truly surrender their heart, come, God, because of the work of the Holy Spirit that brings them to such a place that they can repent and turn from their sin, turn from their wicked ways and come to know you. And I pray for those that, are who, those that are listening today that are in a similar state, who don't know you, God, who may have been like Simon, just going along for the flow and enjoying, God, the things. It's good to be among Christians. I pray, God, that you will speak to their heart. I pray, God, that you will convict them. I pray, God, that you will bring them to the knowledge of the truth, convict them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. God, that they can surrender their life in obedience to you. And come to know you whom to know is life eternal, Father. And for those that are struggling in their walk and in their relationship, God, I pray that you will strengthen them. Come alongside them and strengthen them, O oh God. And continue to help them to see your word as clear as it is, Father. That when they take time to read and understand your word in the context as to how it was written, God, that they will truly understand what the spirit of the word is saying to them. I give you praise and give you thanks and honor and glory for everyone that watches this message, that joining us here this evening, that are listening at the sound of my voice, whether it's today or for the rest of the week, God, that you will use this message to speak to them, that you will use this message to bring them to the knowledge of the truth. And we give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen.